Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. Uh, not new films, not new releases, typically older stuff. Sometimes they're relatively recent, but you know, this one is right in the nostalgia slot, and by that I mean it's in our lifetimes, but it's actually quite a bit old now, as in it's like 20 plus years old. But, and but you is... don't really think of it as old, do you? I don't think it was an old movie, but there's this weird thing now when I'm watching movies from the 90s where there's this weird kind of like... This is starting to look like it's old now. Not not in the, not in the same way that an older movie looks, but it's like it looks like it's of an era. Whereas movies that I watch from the last like ten fifteen years don't feel like they've got an era to them yet. <laughs> Whereas yeah, yeah, I know what you mean because you you don't notice it until whatever comes next. Yeah, and then you look it. back, yeah, and you you see it. Things have changed, and now it's got a look to it. And uh, so yeah, this is also uh, notable because this is the the winner of the Patreon vote for the month. Uh, each month on Patreon over at uh, Patreon dot com slash TV, uh, our patrons at the five dollar tier and up get to vote on a movie we're going to do once a month. And throughout September they voted, and the winner of that vote was this movie, which is Seven, which is David Fincher's uh, first big movie. Really, I mean. Not his first movie, of course. Alien Three's uh, notorious. In fact, we've done Alien Three before. It's uh, it'll be quite funny if we end up doing all of his film- films in order of, re- of release because so far we're on <laughs> so track. Far, yeah. So far we're on track for that. Um, so this came out in 1995. It is a obviously a thriller. All, all the movies and the options uh, for the vote were all like crime and serial killer thrillers. They all had that kind of vibe to them. Uh, so we'll start spoiler free for a little bit at least, maybe not too long since it's seven. And it's a movie that most people have, you know know about or have seen, and most people will be familiar with the line "What's in the box?" Yeah, but it we'll, kind of took a life of its own, didn't it? But we'll get to that uh, much later in the spoilers. But uh, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, so of course, uh, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, uh, and a whole lot of recognizable faces in really small parts that I only recognise now, like today. Yeah. Like uh, like the mortician, like he was uh, he you know that's uh, he was an outcast and uh, House of Cards he was in the recent Fantastic Four. Uh, what's his name? Reg something. Reg Reggie Cathy. Okay. He's not bald in this though. It was his yeah. voice. I heard his voice and went, "That's him." No, no, you're right. It's a very distinctive voice. Very distinct voice. Head of the SWAT teams. Uh, what's his face from Scrubs? Uh, McGinley. Is that his name? So it's yeah. him. And then, oh, there was another one. There was definitely another one. There was another small role that was filled out with someone that I'd recognised from stuff, and I can't remember, because there was definitely three. But regardless, lots of small roles in here that was, I was like, oh man, like I know them from something that they didn't do for another 20 years. It's just kind of weird looking at it now. Uh, but obviously you got Arlie Ermey is the police chief, obviously yeah. famous from Full Metal Jacket and stuff, uh, and obviously someone else who's relatively famous is in a big role, but it's kind of a spoiler for later on in the movie because they actually kept it a secret you'll, you'll notice that the uh, the killer's credit isn't in the opening titles it's actually right at the start it comes up last yeah. yeah it comes up at the start of the end credits uh, and that's a, that's a very TV thing to do actually like they'll have the guest stars and stuff but they'll save that one surprise name for the end because they don't want to spoil it yeah so, uh, it's, it's rare to see in movies actually yeah but they, they, they kept it a secret so fair play to them it's funny though, knowing who it is, though, as soon as you hear his voice, because you hear his voice before you see him, and it's like, oh, I know that voice. Like, yeah. yeah. It's also one of those weird ones where if they'd just thrown his name in all the, you know, the, the credits at the start, because, you know, there's typically quite a lot of names. Yeah, yeah. You, don't re- you probably wouldn't really be thinking about it. Yeah, I think it'd be 50-50. I feel like you'd either just forget you saw the name, or you'd maybe realise halfway through, wait a minute, that's a big name, why have we not seen him yet? 
Like, and you would sort mm. of just assume, okay, he must be playing the killer. Like, you know, yeah. like, I feel like... So I get why they did it. I get why the, the thought was, no, let's just keep it out of the credits. Let's just keep it a secret. Um, and, you know, thankfully the internet wasn't as uh, a mainstream thing back then because I feel like that's exactly the sort of thing that would have been over, all over the place. Oh, yeah, set pictures. Yeah. set. Pi- well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking just when it came out, like, on the, the first night. Like, you, you know, if you didn't see it the opening day, you're probably going to mm-hmm. get that spoiled for you that, you know, so-and-so is playing the killer. Uh so what is Seven? Why is it called Seven for a start? Well, it's because it's a serial killer movie uh, and the killer is basing his crimes on the seven deadly sins. And he's, you know, the whole idea is that he's going to have seven victims and each one represents one sin. Um, and it also takes place over a week, which I don't think actually is that important in the grand scheme of things. It's just the idea of the, the, the theme of the number seven keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. Even at the end of the movie, there's like a time, and it's like, oh, what time is it? Oh, it's seven o'clock. Of course it's seven o'clock. Why wouldn't it be seven o'clock? The yeah. movie's called Seven. Everything's seven. I hope there's seven references to seven. Oh, there may yeah, be. Right. So, yeah, yeah the, the seven sins, the seven days of the week, the seven, time seven. Yeah. There, there may uh, be. Like, there, uh, there might be. I, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I, I really hope that, that Fincher went out of his way and put seven in. I could, how how gutted would he be though if he did that but then he had to cut one of the scenes for another reason he'd be like no there was just only leave, six just leave it in there regardless <laughs> like, this is essential this is essential even though it's got a horrible take with a really bad mistake in it well leave it in because it's got one of the seven <laughs> references to the seven in it we need to do it uh, it's been a long time since I watched this uh, and you'd seen it before as well then right yes Yeah. so it's been a long time since I'd, I'd seen this and one of the first things that crossed my mind as it was starting up I was like okay Normally when I watch movies from the 90s now, they have a 90s look to them. And to its credit, I actually think visually this movie's aged mostly pretty well. Like, it could have been shot last year, and I wouldn't have questioned anything. You could have told me that. Yeah, like you say, it has a look and a style where you know it's from the 90s because you know. But otherwise, it's it's aged pretty well. Yeah, well, it, it does to a point, and it, does, it definitely has a style, but it's like... It's so Fincher that it doesn't necessarily stick out as being in the nineties. It just kind of feels like this could true because he he kept his style going. Yeah, he th- th- this could have been shot last year, and I wouldn't have known otherwise, with one or two exceptions. The, and I actually tweeted about this as I was watching it that the opening title sequence is so nineties that it hurts. Oh, it is. And and I, I will uh, add into that the the end credits music. Oh uh, yeah, sure. That's, that's fair. Uh, but the, when it's actually shooting like actors and stuff, like yeah, it, it's timeless. Yeah. Well, not timeless, but it certainly doesn't feel dated. But then when it's the opening titles and the end credits, it feels like super nineties. The music choice, the the effects, and I have to give it a bit of a, a love hate relationship because I actually like the movie a lot. I don't want to sound like I don't like the movie, but I, I did actually hold a bit of a grudge as I was watching it because it was really dawning on me this time. Because right now on screams after midnight, me and Tim are working through the Saw franchise, and. I feel like this movie is actually largely responsible for that franchise, because, and it's not really this movie's fault. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's not David Fincher's fault that someone else tried to imitate his movie. But a lot of Saw is really imitating and really trying to do what Seven did. This is what I refer to as the the Blair Witch Project syndrome, mm. where as as a thing on its own, perfectly fine. If not, you know, a great depending on your opinion, mm. but definitely no problem. But the thing that its legacy is is the problem, and it kind of taints it a little bit. There was because there was a few things. The whole the, the the murder scenes themselves, and the sort of you don't see much of it. You always see the aftermath. But when they describe what he did to the victims and what he made them do, and 
some of this so, sounds so like... basically went let's just show that yeah but like a lot of it sounds very jigsaw the the, the way it's like oh what you know, one is like the woman's given a choice either to call for help but she'll be disfigured or like she can take the pills and kill herself and like it feels very jigsaw and so not only that but the other thing that was sort of striking me with uh, Fincher's visual style is that the movie's very dark even when it's in broad daylight it still feels dark visually and again that's something that saw to a much worser you know worser worser's not a word but you know to, to... that's how bad it is but yeah, it, it's trying to emulate that. Like, Saw has this shitty visual filter over the whole thing, where it, it looks like it's got that bluey, greeny tint, and it's it doesn't look anything like like uh, Seven, but it is trying to have that same effect. That even when they're shooting a the scene during the day, it feels kind of murky and yeah, this world like, shit. That, that green tint, especially, is something I really associate with Fincher. Yeah, which is funny because I don't even think this movie really has that much of a green tint, but it still has that kind of feeling where it's it does, it, yeah. even in daylight, it still feels like. You know, they're never facing the sun. It's always silhouette. <laughs> no, it's like it's like you know when you wear you know sunglasses and they, you know, mm. it kind of dims a little bit. The light just goes all like you know, you know the three D glasses in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's a little bit dimmer, but it's just just noticeable. But it's not natural anymore. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you're watching a a three D movie without the three D effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost. But obviously, it's very intentional. It's a dark world. Uh, it's actually kind of funny, uh, not long into this movie, because the movie, a big thing in this movie is that the city's kind of a character in and of itself. They keep talking about how this place is worse. You know, Brad Pitt's character's just transferred from somewhere else, and he even wanted to transfer. And Morgan Freeman's character is like, oh, why did you transfer here? This is like, no one ever... It actually almost reminded me of, uh, of uh, Gordon transferring to Gotham in, uh, like, in Batman yeah. comics. So that, that's, that's how year one kind of starts. And it's, But, like... And they keep talking about the city and how dangerous it is. They keep telling stories about how like someone get mugged and then get their eyes shot out last week, and it happened, you know, just down the block from you. And it's like, yeah, oh, it's, it's not even really that big a deal because it's a, an everyday occurrence almost. Yeah, which is a big theme of the movie, and we'll, we'll talk about that, you know, in depth in the spoilers. But I was like, yeah, they actually mentioned where this city was, and I was like, where is this city? And I actually, I actually googled. I was like, what city is Seven set in? Because I've not mentioned it. Like they've intentionally not said anything. Mm. And sure enough, it's intentional. Like it's a fictional city. That they never, no one ever actually quite says. Some people have claimed that it's certain places, but they've always been shot down. It's like, no, no, it's intentionally not a real place. It's intentionally just it represents any sort of city, awful it's, place. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, it very well could be Gotham City. Like it's that dark that every, you know, this is how frequent all the crime is. It has that kind of feel to it. We uh, mm. shot it in I think Philadelphia and some of it in California. So people have claimed, oh, it's standing in for Philly or it's standing in for LA, but it's not really. It's nah, it could stand in for you know, New York or yeah. Seattle, anywhere but, you want, really. But they intentionally never because they often talk about here. They keep saying, oh, what's it? You just moved here. How are you liking it? You know, they keep yeah. How long here, have you lived here? But they never say where it is, and that's very intentional. Uh, mm-hmm. It happens too often not to be. So that's the big theme of the movie. Also, it's constantly bloody raining. Like. Amusingly, the, the scene at the end, the big scene that takes place at the end, is like one of the only scenes that take place outside that I can think of that aren't pissing down in rain. It's also one of the only scenes not in the city. That is true. Yeah, they go outside of the city and like it's not raining anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for that. Uh, but no, so I, I mean, I, I guess uh, I guess we like the movie. I think that's pretty obvious. It's a good movie. Yeah, definitely. No, 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 I don't think I've ever heard of anyone not liking Seven. It's it's a pretty likable movie. Uh, it, it is, isn't it? it, it it's got a, it's got a good theme to start off with, you know. 
Seven Deadly Sins as yeah, a, yeah, a serial yeah. killer. That's got, pretty cool as a whole. Serial killer, you've got these two characters, uh, two two different detectives at different ends of the rope. Look, you know, try to hunt the killer, and you know he's playing games with the police, and he's you know, he's, he's so smart, it's kind of insane. Although not as insane as Jigsaw would become in Saw, which is one of the big complaints that we've had over in those reviews that he's planned out so goddamn much that it's just absolutely absurd. Do you know what? This is one of those times where you know, every so often I'm just, I'm so glad I don't do screams because I don't have to put myself through that shite. Just feels good. I can smell a new Patreon tier coming. <laughs> <laughs> Connor has to join Peter and Tim for a known terrible movie on Screams After Midnight. Just not so, please. Well, we got three of them left before the new ones, so, you know, you got a chance to jump in. The option's there. That's all I'm saying. It's worse. I feel like I'd be obligated to watch all the rest if I was going to jump <laughs> in at five. <laughs> you need a marathon one through four. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've got that in me. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, one name we didn't mention was Gwyneth Paltrow. She plays Tracy, who's uh, Brad Pitt's uh, character's wife. And she obviously she's just moved with him to the city, and that's another big thing that's going on. Uh, a big theme in the movie, uh, and, and it really looks because it's been a long time since I watched it, so I'd kind of forgotten a lot of what the the character stuff was. Like I'd remembered the kills and the how it ended, but I, I didn't really remember what the you know. And right at the start of the movie, you really get this idea that Morgan Freeman's character, he, you know, he's he's, he's literally days from retirement, seven days specifically. He's a week from retirement, uh, and he he's grown really kind of. Uh, tired of the job, he doesn't want to do. It. Even though he's clearly very good at it, he has a good mind for it. Like there'll be, even you know, he's a week from retirement, and he's he's still asking questions that the other cops just want to ignore and just don't but, want to look but into. He, he's he's beaten down by it. He's resigned. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well, what's the point? It's not going to get solved. Yeah. Whereas Brad Pitt's detective comes in and he's eager. He's like, no, I want to change the world. I want to help. I want to do these things. And you know, Freeman's like, no, but like you're you're so naive for the city. Yeah, you've done homicide, but you've never done it here. Uh, again, there's that 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 word showing up again here. Like you've never done it here, and uh, like, so it's, again, it's these two of you know, it's, it's the it's the the you know potentially naive, but certainly uh, enthusiastic. You know, the the young cop, the go getter, the one who is eager to do optimistic, optimistic. Yeah, the optimist. Whereas you've got the the pessimist at the other end of the the. the, the... Yeah, and it's the idea of this is and you know like this is what this city's done to him. Yeah, exactly, and he's he's like, no, this is going to do it to you. You're going to go through this as well, and that's a big theme of the movie, and a big theme of the movie's apathy, and like how you don't even care that all this is happening around you anymore, and that's kind of why Morgan Freeman wants to go. He's like, no, I've like I'm part of the problem. I've realised that I'm part of the problem, and I just want to get out of it. I want to leave. I want to go somewhere else and farm or fish or do something, not be a cop anymore, uh, because he's like, what's the point? I even trying, and he just wants to escape and. Uh, and I think that's a big thing. I think Morgan Freeman's character's arc is actually the the the, the soul of the film. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, because obviously you get Brad Pitt as the flashy young star, and like you feel like oh he's like the main one, the billing, he's the one that everyone's talking about, and it, sure to a point, and he has maybe the most dramatic scenes, but at the same time it's like no, he's kind of, it's actually kind of reminiscent almost of Shawshank Redemption, where yeah, like. Sure, Andy's kind of the main character, but Red, it's really his story. Like, the, the title's about him. You've not seen Shawshank Redemption, have you? I've seen enough to to, to know. Okay. That's one that we'll have to do someday, because we, we can't have you never having seen Shawshank Redemption. That's just... Yeah, I've, I've seen about 40 minutes. 
Oh, that's just not so... not from forty minutes from the start, but forty minutes. Yeah, scared that, that is so depressing. I'm just I know. the moments you've had ruined because you've seen just random chunks of that movie. It's upsetting. Yeah, but it's the the, the life of, of a student, I guess. You just when you when you study something, then that's it. You you gotta just have have things ruined. Oh no, I told off a lecturer once for spoiling a scene from a TV show. Because he showed us a scene to study it, and I'm like, no, what are you doing? This is from season four. Stop it right now. This oh, is I, I, I had that with the ending of Lost, so. No, I, I wasn't standing for it. <laughs> I'm walking I, out I, right I, now. I, I, I just had to accept that things are going to get spoiled if I haven't seen them. Ah, oh, dear. So, what was I saying? I was getting at something. Ah, Morgan Freeman, Heart of the Movie. Mm. So... Yeah, obviously you've got the mystery, which is kind of, you know, on the surface level, you've got the mystery, like, why is this happening? What are the clues? And that's obviously the entertainment level of the movie. But then there is this sort of deeper kind of thing going on where it's about human beings and how we let things slide because we get used to them. And that's kind of what the the movie is ultimately about. So, uh, obviously, very good, very dark, uh, very stylistic. Um, If I'm going to have a complaint, before we get into spoiler stuff, something that I do kind of want to complain about, Actually, I do have a complaint, and it's very much something that Connor would usually complain about. I do think the audio mix is not perfectly balanced. I feel there's a lot of dialogue that I, you know, I had to turn it up. There was times when I put on subtitles because I feel there's a lot of mumbling, there's a lot of low talking. Times when music. I feel like it, it does get lost in the music. Yeah. I do think it's somewhat intentional. And again, this is is not to defend it. Cause again, I do think it's a bit of a problem when you're struggling. But it's the idea that you know, you know there's this apathy. You just kind of, things just kind of happen. You don't really notice. You have to pay. You have to force yourself to pay attention. I can appreciate that, but like I was forcing I myself to works. pay attention, yeah. and I was still struggling to hear some sentences to the point where I actually went back ten seconds and turned on subtitles just to see what the goddamn sentence was. No, I agree. I uh, think that, I think that's what the idea is, but. I'm not sure it necessarily always works. You know, and I turned it up really loud, and then there was a scene. It was later on they go into like a like a nightclub at one point, and mm. it was so loud I had to turn it back down. Like my bass was like thumping. I'm like, damn, the neighbors are going to hate me. <laughs> uh, like because I had it up so loud though, because I wanted to hear the goddamn dialogue. So if I have a complaint, and it's a weird complaint to have with at such a tenant, because I think David Fincher's a director that sometimes he nails everything, right? Like, I think he has some great classics in his, in his library. And sometimes he doesn't. But the one thing he always does really well, the one thing that he pays a lot of attention to is the technical details. He's mm. a very... Te- like, in fact, I was glancing at the extras on the Blu-ray, and, like, all of the extras are all about technical stuff. It's all, oh, here's here's a scene with all the different audio tracks separate, and you can listen to each one on its own, and here's a scene with all the angles separate, and you can look at each angle on its own. It's, it's all technical stuff. It's all mm. breaking down the technical elements. There's not, there's, there's almost nothing about actually talking about the script and the themes and like all that kind of thing. That's pretty interesting. Uh, it tells you what his mindset is, though. Yes, it? It, it makes for a dry extra. I think I don't think that's as inherently interesting as like hearing stories from the actors on set and like weird accidents that happened and all that kind of thing. But certainly, it, I, I think it certainly appeals to less people. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's inter- If if you care about that stuff, it, it's interesting. I do. I do. I still think it's drier, though. Just if I'm comparing drier, it to, yeah. yeah, if I'm comparing it to like a good, a good, uh, you know, a good making of documentary that maybe encompasses everything, uh, yeah. it does feel a bit drier to just like give me a bunch of angles and here That's go fair. through them on your own. Yeah. That's fair. I, I do think the the score is excellent. 
I oh, think that's it's good. one of Howard Shaw's underappreciated works. Do you know? Obviously, it is good. I do have to say, I don't love it though. It's pre- don't worry, it's perfect for the movie. But if there's again, if there's one thing that kind of dates it a little bit, is that it does feel. And maybe this is because it's been emulated by so many other thrillers that want to be like mm, seven. It definitely has, yeah. Yeah, and this is probably why I feel this way. But it, I do. It almost in reverse feels a bit cliched. Because no, of I, that. I get what you're saying. This, yeah. this is a game where where it's like I know that this is kind of where the sound came from. Yeah, yeah so I was like, I can still appreciate it because I've seen so many cheap thrillers over the years that have tr- you know ha- tried to have the, the the seven feel of this dark, grimy world that you know, mm. and they always have this type of music and, and it just it feels in retrospect even there uh, on Screams we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake uh, a couple of weeks ago and I feel like the score on that was kind of similar to this actually, really, uh, which obviously isn't the exact same type of movie, but. Even that was going for this grimy feel to it. You know, that's what the whole movie was going for. Yeah. Uh, and one of the big things we talked about in that, actually, was how that movie, compared to the original, it was trying to be grimy, but it felt like a Hollywood slick version of grimy, whereas the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre just was grimy, and it yeah. felt grimy, and it felt authentic. Uh, so, but... Uh, yeah. I, I, I like the score a lot. I think it's underappreciated, because obviously, nowadays, when you mention Howard Shaw's name, people typically just talk about Lord of the Rings. Which is, you know, understandable. I get, I get why they do. It's the best part of that movie, is, so yeah. <laughs> I, I love those movies, and I might not argue it on that. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not a fan of those movies, but I think the score's great. So, yeah. but um, this uh, it's just so different, and it, it kind of really sets the tone for the movie, which is probably why it got emulated so much. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of funny, actually, that this get emulated arguably a lot more than these Lord of the Rings music does, even though that's the one that everyone talks it's about. It's easier to replicate. You think? This is you know, you know, Lord of the Rings. You need to be good at orchestrating a full orchestra. You got you know, you got to arrange a full mm. you know, full thing. Whereas this, you could do it on a handful of instruments if you if you wanted to do a low key version of this. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so let's get spoilers. So full spoilers. Yeah. Uh, for the, for the movie from this point on. So. Uh, like I said, apathy is a big thing with the the movie, and it, it keeps coming back again. Like uh, you know, Summit or Somerset, sorry, that's uh, Friedman's character and Mills, who's Brad Pitt's character. They keep repeatedly because at first they like each other, and like Freeman's like, oh, I'm, I'm still leaving. I'm not working on this case, and he, he kind of gets pulled in. It's like even though he keeps claiming he's done, he keeps having to go look. And like because even he, he goes to the library. Once it becomes clear this might be about the Seven Sins, he goes to the library and he he reads all night Dante and you know. All the yeah. other stuff. It's it's a it's more of a curiosity though. Like it, he's not. Oh, I want to stop this killer. It's more. I want to get in his head. I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, it definitely is. And but I, th- I think what's part of what makes his character interesting is that he claims all throughout the movie. Yeah, it's about it's just a cute because they say that like when they're looking over files because when they finally kind of befriend each other a little bit when his wife like asks him over for dinner and they they kind of bond a little. Uh, and he's like, oh, this is just from a curiosity. I'm not actually working the case. Like, it feels like he's saying that, but yeah. deep down he does actually want to work the case. And a, a big part of the movie is that they even have that debate in the bar. It's actually just before things really go down. You know, when when you know the killer, you know John Doe actually shows up. Uh, they they're in the barn. They're, they're, they're debating once again. They're, they're sort of their ideological views on police work. And he's like, "No, you're naive. Like everyone's like this. I'm part of the problem. I'm part of this. This is why I want out." And Brad Pitt's like, "No, no, I." I can make a difference, 
Like it should try and make a difference. Like everyone can't be like that. It's like, yeah. this hopeful view of the world. I think, I think it's uh, well, is it Morgan Freeman's code of us? It's just like we're just cleaners. You know, we we tie up the loose ends, we file the paperwork, we write the records, but we don't actually solve anything. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's pointless, and because of that, they shouldn't even try. Yeah, uh, kind of thing. Um, and I, I think maybe at the start of the movie, you're probably thinking, oh, like. And to an extent, it kind of is. Like, will Brad Pitt's arc be that by the end of the movie, he will sort of go through this change where he will lose all hope? And it kind of does, but it's not in the way I think you think maybe it's going to go down at the start. No, that's it. Like you, you, you whole the whole time, you know, Morgan Freeman's going, you know, the city's you know, it breaks you, yeah, and and you become this jaded person, yeah. and and like I say, ultimately at the end, he is broken, but not in the way you expect. But of course, the the counter to that though is uh, Freeman's character is. He actually has the opposite arc because yeah. come the because he actually is it's when like so John Doe turns himself in obviously played by Kevin Spacey which is what we're dancing around uh, during the spoiler free section and he turns himself in and again it's very very jigsaw and I, I say that and again this done at first I'm I'm just pointing out that you know Saw took a lot from these <laughs> this movie uh, but you know turns himself in and you can tell like yeah he's. It feels like he's turned himself in, but he's he's playing more of a game. He's, he's up to something. There's something else here, um, and you can actually like. I think rewatching it, it's very interesting. You pay attention on a rewatch, you see that he does become fascinated with Brad Pitt's character between the when he shows up as the photographer and like Brad Pitt like screams at him and tells him to piss off, uh, mm. and then when they go to his apartment, they kind of stumble on him through the whole FBI like library sort of monitoring system. They go to this guy's apartment and they don't even know for sure if he's the killer. They're just going to check him out, but he runs, and that's why they know okay, he's probably him. And yeah. they, they find a bunch of shit in his apartment as well. But like he has this opportunity to kill Brad Pitt, and he doesn't. It's like it's almost like a Joker Batman kind of fascination element. It is. It's like he's got more planned. Yeah, like, he realizes what type of person he is, and I kind of believe that at that point he changed his plans accordingly. Like he changed what the end of his seven, you know, victims were going to be based on his encounter with uh, this yeah, character to, to accommodate him. Yeah, because like, oh no, this is a better. This is a better. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not masterpiece. You're, magnum you know, opus? Like, sorry, is it magnum opus? Yeah, I believe that's the word I was actually looking for, but it's just, it means the same thing. Yeah, magnum opus. Uh, there was a word I was looking for. That's going to annoy me now. The not crown jewel. You know what I mean? We've said like, I, I few... do. Like we've got, yeah. we've done like three different ways of we saying have. that. It's just we the just specific this specific one. The specific word I was looking for, I can't think of. But we've said we've said it in three other ways, so it's fine. You know what I mean, right? You know, he's going suggestions to be the... of other ways of saying it. Comments. Yeah, <laughs> the, the... <laughs> that's going to bug the shit out of me now. But so basically, yeah, he's going to be this and. I, I get that he's, he's changed his plans and so he takes him out to the desert and like you say it's the first time he leaves the city and I think it's the first time it's not really been raining really it might be it's definitely the first time it's bright like this Certainly, it's the first time I can yeah. think of sunlight and they go out into the desert and you know we have the whole famous you know you know what's in the box delivery driver opens up and this is where Freeman realises oh shit like he's in control I need to get the gun away from him I need to talk him down like this is like yeah. he's, he's, he's going to go his game is. he doesn't want him to win by just killing him but on the trip there, they're in the car and they're driving there, and they're all make up, of course. Uh, and that's another thing is that as the movie's bond, going over the movie, like they actually they go from not liking each other, and not trusting each other, to bonding, like you know, the, the two detectives, because like, they're having that little moment when they're shaving their chest to put on the mics, and they're like they're, they're joking about, oh, if I shave my nipple off, is that covered by workman's comp? And they're you know, having a little giggle there, you know. Um, but they're in, he's in the back seat, and they're just talking to John Doe, and they're, they're asking him questions, 
about who he is. Like, well, at this point, like, what does it matter if you tell us stuff about yourself? And he doesn't tell him that his real name. Like, he, he sort of like take it. Like, his past has been left behind. You get the, the idea. That this guy's just really become born again as the psychopath. He's just yeah. letting it all go. But one of the points he brings up is, oh, it's easy to rate me off as insane because that makes you feel comfortable. That makes you feel better that I'm not just another person. Yeah, it, it's all these ways they're trying to probe him. They're like going, hey, do you know you're insane? Because if he yeah. says that he's not insane, then they can use it against him when he tries to, you know, do an insanity play. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, like, he's, he's ahead of them. He's, he just twists everything they say. But the biggest thing for me in this scene, it's not even really him. I mean, I mean, John Doe's interesting to talk about, but it's how the other two play off of him. Because Brad Pitt keeps getting agitated, he keeps getting angry. Like, his emotions keep coming up because he's like, oh, you, you're a sick bastard, you keep doing this stuff. He gets, you know, uh, gets emotional. Whereas Freeman, the entire time, he's, he's calm. He's, he's considering what he's saying to him, he's thinking about it. But the big thing that comes up for me is he starts talking about why he's doing what he's doing. And he starts talking about how, well, this happens all around. There's like the, the prostitute that he killed. There's prostitutes around. There's, there's greedy lawyers who lie for a living. There's, there's these, these obese people who just eat and we're, you know, it's all apathy. We don't care. And it almost just starts sounding like Freeman's character. And I think for, for his character, it's this awakening. It's like he's realising like this is like the other extreme version of what the way I'm thinking. This is what yeah, he's doing. Again, it's what this city does. Yeah. Uh, and he sees that. And that's that's a big thing. So when he's confronted with this big situation of like, okay, Gwyneth Paltrow's head's in the box. You know, Brad Pitt's just found out that she was pregnant and that he's been so obsessed with his work that he didn't even know she's been missing all day. Or even yeah. two days at this point. Like, I know, I think, yeah, maybe no, two it was, days. No, it was, it was today. Cause he was said, it that day? Uh, okay. Yeah, John Doe said, oh, I left this morning after you left for work. But, like, you know, he's not even like, uh, like... Look at that, I think most people who are like, married, like, they usually check in at least once during the day, probably. Like lunchtime, you might have a phone call or something, especially mm. now with like mobile phones and you're texting and stuff. You yeah. know, you'll say, "Oh, I'll pick up something for dinner," or you know, whatever, something stupid, like something normal and mundane. But there's been nothing. Like obviously, he's not been in contact with his wife all day, and he's not even realised that there's anything to be worried about. Uh, so again, it feels like John Doe's making a point with that. Like you know, you're so wrapped up in your work and being obsessed and all the rest of it. But uh, again, the saying that he didn't realize that she was pregnant, obviously she wasn't mm-hmm. showing, but he, he hadn't paid attention to any other signs. Like, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're all drinking it around dinner, but she wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes him a pretty shitty detective, by the way. <laughs> just, just, just it didn't... does, but again, it's the idea that he was too obsessed with this case. He was too, yeah. you know, too uh, focused on the, the showmanship and he is apathetic to the, the regular events. Yeah. You could almost argue that the killer was a mix of the two characters because, He's the showman who wants to do the big grand things, which is kind of what the the killings themselves are. It's like, oh no, it's dramatic examples to shake people out of apathy. And then, mm. and you know, Freeman's character is he's the apathetic one who's like, oh, everyone doesn't care, everyone's the same, everyone's guilty of this, including himself. Yeah. Uh, and the killer's kind of a mix of that. He's like, he feels that way, so he's using the dramatic examples that Brad Pitt's character would use to, you know, to he's, he's kind of this. Yeah. He's, he's an extreme version of the two of them combined, which is maybe makes him an interesting foil for both of them. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, they have the standoff, and I, th- I think you know Freeman's character in this final scene is uh, like he's trying to talk him down. He's like, "No, he wins if you shoot him. If you do this, he wins." And obviously, this, these the, the final two people, he you know, uh, he's envy. You know, John Doe's envy because he he was jealous of his life and being married and the wife and all the rest of it, and he wants Brad Pitt to become wrath by like returning the you know to yeah, kill him. He to, he deserves to be killed. Yeah, for vengeance. Um, and obviously Brad Pitt does show him like you know uh, and I, I keep using the actor names because I'm just I'm so used to these people being these people well, it's it happens doesn't it when, when when the actors get too big yeah they're A-listers so when they're A-listers you just think of the actor names yeah mm. uh, 
but you know, and it's it, the whole thing ends, and you know, he keeps cutting back to the helicopter and they're like commenting on what's going on and like you know I, I loved it when the box shows up he's like we've got a box we've got a box someone call bomb squad we've got a box um, it's pretty comical and again like you know when, when he sends the delivery guy running away and yeah. you just watch the helicopter track him actually what I, was about, what I thought was funny about the whole bomb squad thing I'm like you're in the desert like if there is any danger the characters who are there can just like they can get away long before a bomb squad can get there I think it's more if they open it and the bomb goes off Right, okay. The bomb squad would check it for explosives before it gets opened. They'd scan it. Oh, so you're saying Morgan Freeman just jumps the gun and just goes, I'm opening pretty, this Pretty bitch. much, because cause he's like, screw it, I'm going to retire anyway. Might as well go out. <laughs> so, but obviously it ends with that fight. That final, the final moments of the film is Brad Pitt sat in the back of the police car and he's got that dead stare on his face. Like, he's, he's being, compl- like, this city has done this to him. It is completely, to make his point, he's had to do it to Brad Pitt's character what, what Freeman was saying was going to happen all along. Yeah. But it only took a week. It only took a week, yeah. It was condensed. And I think that's kind of the point, is that when it happens gradually, you don't notice it. But when it's shocking and it's in a week, like when it's one sharp jolt, people do notice and people pay attention. And uh, and the funny thing is, is, in a weird way, it kind of worked because Morgan Freeman's character, you know, ends, he's talking to his captain, and he doesn't outright say he's going to be a cop still. He just says he's going to be around, which could be interpreted in a number of ways. But then like, there's this final little bit of narration where he brings up this quote, who's, I can't remember who it was from, uh, maybe Hemingway, but I, I could I be. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, about how uh, you know the world is, is essentially good and it's worth fighting for, and he says, I agree with the second part. And it's mm. like, and it's him making this kind of statement like, yeah, I sort of lost that along the way. Because he even mentions during the film that he used to be like Brad Pitt's character. He he cared about the cases. He cared about, you know, saving the people. Because at one point, Brad Pitt promises to someone, I'm going to find your husband's killer. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm promising you I'm going to do this. He yeah, cared about he's justice. Like, you, you, he's like, you really meant that, didn't you? You weren't just yeah. saying it like everyone else does. Uh, and it's like, at the end of the movie, he, he does, like... In, in a weird way, the, John Doe has succeeded because he's turned this good cop good again. Because this cop now cares yeah, about his job. he's made someone... Because that, that was John Doe's whole thing is like, no, this is this is disgusting that we tolerate all this, you know, yeah. abhorrent situations just as as normalcy. And it's like we we should be fighting against this. So he's kind of sh- trying to shock the system into fighting against it. He's all, he's almost a really weird. Uh, talking about him being a mix of different characters, he's almost a really weird mix of Batman and the Joker. Like he, he, he he's like crazy and like does psychotic things like the Joker, but it's for the same kind of purpose that Batman works on, and that he uses. You know that's why he dresses as a bat and like scares. You know and jumps out of the shadows because the dramatic examples, like the, the the idea of like a myth of the Batman, will scare people into action. Whereas if he's just a person, like you know, if he's just a politician with a mic, people are used to that. They know effect, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do feel Fincher took a lot from Batman for this stuff. You know, like it, even. John Doe, you know, the idea that he, he, he doesn't have a past. He left it behind. It's not important. It's very it's, Joker. It's just who yeah. he is now. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is a lot of that stuff in there. Um, and But what I think impressed me, it's been a good decade since I watched this, and I'd forgotten about a lot of what the actual themes of the movie were. Like, I'd, I remembered all mm. the, the money shots, as it were, but I didn't remember oh, what it was that's, really that's about. That's what people do tend to remember, because... <laughs> Kind of as the point of the movie is, you know, these are the big shocking yeah. things. You remember those, you notice those, but all the the regular stuff, you kind of just don't even really pay that much attention to. Because I was actually a little bit worried at the start of the movie when they go to the the first proper crime scene with the fat guy, the the the, mm. you know, the, the obese, the uh, the glutton kill, we'll yeah. call it. Um, 
I was a little bit worried because I was like, you know, yeah, this is shot well, but like, I was getting that, oh, this is kind of what Saw was ripping off. I'm like, am I yeah, going to... Yeah, yeah, am I not like, gonna, where, Where's the meat to this? Yeah, am I not going to be into this as much because I feel like, oh, no, I've been here and done this before. It's not as impressive anymore. Like, is the rest of the movie actually going to, like, hold up? And sure enough, once it got going and once I got the themes in it, I like how even from the opening scene, because as much as I said I was worried at that point, even before that, the opening scene of the movie is Morgan Freeman's character, like, getting ready for work. You know, he puts on his, his jacket... He's got, he's, and you can tell he's a very organised man. He's, he's got the, uh, you'll know what it's called, the, uh, keeps time. Use it metronome. Your, metronome, thank you. Uh, when you're playing music, use it to keep time. Uh, Sorry, I was just, that, that hand motion, I was like, what yeah. the hell is that? Yeah, he ends up throwing <laughs> it across the room later on when he, when he, he gets yeah, agitated. Yeah. But, um, and which again is another thing, the fact that he throws that and then he gets up and he starts, you know, throwing the knife at the dartboard. This again, it's the, yeah. yeah, he claims that he's like apathetic, but really he's starting to care again. That's it. When yeah. the metronome's going, it's the idea that everything's got a rhythm, you know, everything yeah. just keeps ticking along, but there's nothing different. But he's very regimented. He's, he's, he's got like his badge, his pen, he's like, all these things, that his keys, like they're all out in a row and he puts them mm. in one by one. He's very, by the book, he's very, you know. There's no passion in it. It's very, yeah, like yeah. you say, regimented and normal and everyday and routine. Uh, and as soon as I got that, okay, all oh, right, they've done a good job. Like, in, in one scene, I understand, at least at a base level right now, who this character is. And obviously, once they start talking to each other, you get more. But scene number one, I already understand this person. Yeah, I, it's I good think storytelling. It's, it's interesting. Well, that's interesting. It's, it's smart that it opens with that instead of you know the, the shocking scene because it kind of gives you, mm. it's like, no, this film is more than just the shock. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like I said. Like he's the heart of the story. It's like this is what the story is really about. This is the character who this is really about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's about the others too. Don't get me wrong, but he's the main one. He's the one that is the greatest, greatest effect. In, in a sense, he's the hero because he's the one who has the growth and you know that, yeah, that and, upward and, journey. And everything that happens between John Doe and happens to Brad Pitt's character, it all happens and it affects his character. It's all about what it does to him. So he he is the the central core, uh, but as much as we have glossed over the actual crimes, the actual murders, I suppose we should have some fun talking about those and the, the various. We should. I think I think we just wanted to be clear how much better this is than Saw. Oh yeah, sure, like, yeah, yeah, doing all that stuff. Uh, you know, like, this this has the substance to back up the cool visuals. It it, it does. Uh, I mean, there was one or two of the, the whole clue things that I thought were just a little bit much, a little like, contrived. Yeah, like the whole like the the wife looks through the photos and the, the painting's upside down. So they take down the the painting and it's like, oh, there's nothing. Oh, there's there's fingerprints that make a word. You know, like yeah. just a little bit too much. The same with the first one when he realizes that the bits of metal come from the floor because the, the fridge has been scraped out. I'm like, did they really? Ex- did he really expect them to like notice the like the scrapes on the floor? Like it, was, it felt like he just him yeah, assuming they would find it just felt a little bit much. But. I think it's especially weird given that how, you know, by the time he meets them, he's going, you know, I respect you a lot more than I thought. I, you know, you've, mm. you've increased my respect for law enforcement. And so you know, why would he expect them to find it if he didn't have that respect? To but begin yeah, I, maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe it's a test. Like, you know, if they find that, then they oh, are. They deserve to. Yeah, yeah. They deserve to track him down kind of thing. Um, oh, that's fair. Do you know, I like that part of the plot is that they, they find his apartment that he's using because... The, the, apparently the FBI has this watch list. It's almost kind of like present day stuff with the uh, internet and like mm. you know keywords that sort of stand out that make them sort of take notice. But the idea that if people are reading you know no, you know books about nuclear you know weapons or Mein Kampf, I think is the other example he uses. But you know weapon you know books that maybe trigger. Well, or maybe yeah. we should keep an eye on this person if they're reading all these books. 
Like, so this list has been kept, and I, what amused me about that is uh, that that is the, maybe the one plot point that kind of dates it in a weird way because it's all about you know someone would go to the library to get all these books, whereas these days they'd probably just Google things and yeah, so on. You'd you'd, you'd look at the internet search history instead. You'd either look at the internet search history, or if they're on something like Audible, maybe you'd look at their that their Audible accounts, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Like you know, I just that's the one thing that's changed quite a bit. Not that libraries aren't still in use, and not that we shouldn't still have libraries, because of course we do, and we should. But yeah, a, a fantastic uh, public service, they are indeed. Um, but of course, yeah, obviously they're not as widely used as they were, uh, you know, before the internet became so yeah, mainstream. It, it, it certainly wouldn't be the go-to for the police. Yeah, C- certainly the, the person looking for the books would have a lot of other avenues to get the information. Just not yeah. the one. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, in the 90s they could still buy the books, but, you know. Ironically, going to the library now would probably be safer because no one would bother checking the library. <laughs> They'd just go, why, <laughs> while they Google. Yeah. Also, your book's much more likely to be there to get. Like, if you're looking for a specific book, there's a good, better chance now that it's not been checked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, almost comes in waves. Like everyone's going to realise that and go back to the library. Then it's going to get too busy again. And they'll be like, "Oh no, the book's never there." And then it'll be years of like just using the internet again. And they're like, "Oh no, back to the library." Uh, uh, anyway, so they'll never die completely. So the crime scenes we have we have the obesity one uh, where he's been forced to eat until he basically is ate too much, and then like because it, it says what well, he, he kicked him and then he burst open. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a horrifying image. It's pretty horrifying. Uh, and then we have the lawyer who you know greed greed yeah uh yeah. i wasn't trying i was just trying to think of how he actually died i couldn't remember i remember the blood written on the floor saying greed but i I was just trying to think of how he actually uh how he actually died good point i think it's the least interesting one isn't it's it it's the least memorable certainly because i can't remember i'm struggling to remember that one as well i can, I, I can see the image of him and but... i just watched it uh then who was third third was the guy in the bed who'd been tied up for a year yeah sloth sloth uh, you know, so he, he that was that was a very memorable thing. Um, he looked really, he looked almost like a zombie, quite frankly. When they went in, well, that's it. Like, like he goes in, they think he's dead, and mm. you do as well. Like he, he legitimately looks like, oh no, this this guy's dead. He looks like a corpse, yeah. And then when they get him to a hospital, it's like, yeah, he's basically already dead. He's he's brain dead. He's like, he's never going to recover from yeah. this. He's 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 done. Um, and then we have, I think the prostitute was next. Yes. Yeah. Who, who was killed by a a contraption? We'll call it. It was basically not quite a strap on, and because it's meant for a man, but it's basically a sort of a strap on like device that goes over like a condom almost uh, on the front of the penis, uh, but on the front of this this device is a giant blade, uh, and then he apparently forced this. Uh, this is weird saying this given the character goes by John Doe but the John as it were uh, to have sex with the prostitute with this giant bladed weapon attached to his penis yeah and and, and, you know because then we have that that great interrogation scene and he's just like no no he was forcing me he had a gun at my throat it was like in my mouth oh yeah he's terrified yeah he's he's, he's, which by the way did you recognise that actor I did but I wouldn't be able to tell you what from I re- do you know what I remember because he, he's got a very similar a- agitated type scene in the other movie and you have watched it because we've done it in this show go on Alien Resurrection uh, okay he's the one who had the alien in him like, yeah, in the whole yeah. movie and he starts freaking out like as the movie goes on uh, because when he started freaking out I'm like oh it's him 
because he freaks out almost the exact same way when he thinks he's going to die. It's like, it's like you know when you just recognise someone, it's yeah. like yeah, I've definitely seen him somewhere. Yeah, and this was just a couple of years before that, so uh, mm. don't, I don't know what he's been in since, but certainly he's got two big movies attached to his name. If we ever see him freak out again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll recognise him. <laughs> uh, so, so, so we had that. That one was memorable because it's hard not to remember that that picture because they've got a Polaroid of the device, the the, the shop owner who made it for him. Is like because he's pissed off that they stole the photo from him, but you just see this photo and it's like, oh shit, that's how. Because you don't see it in the scene. Like they go to the crime scene, and there's a body under the sheets, and the guy's like covering the corner, and he's just like terrified. He's yeah. like, get this thing off of me. Um, and then you see this photo of this ridiculous contraption. It's horrifying. So there's that, and then fifth, pride. Pride, yeah, that was the woman with the pills. Because then they're, they're six and seven at the end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, like we said, he'd mutilated her face and gave her two options: phone in one hand for help, which would have saved her. But she has to live disfigured. Yeah, and she's obviously a vain person. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Uh, or you know, pills to kill herself, which yeah. she chose. My favorite that is he literally cut off her nose to spite her face. Yes, on the nose, one might say. Yes, yes, one might if one wasn't such a douche. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, so that's good fun. Uh, and then, of course, we get to the the, the ending with uh, John Doe coming in, and obviously he's been ripping off his fingerprints so that no one can detect him from yeah. crime scenes and whatnot. Because they, they don't even find any in his house. Like his apartment's just free of fingerprints. And they're like, I can't believe that. But hey ho. Maybe he just always wears gloves. I mean, he clearly didn't, but they didn't. Oh, yeah, that. from their perspective, I'm sure. Yeah, we know, we know he didn't wear gloves. We know what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, I complained a second ago, and I forgot what it was now. It'll come back to me. It better. What else would you like to talk about, Car? What else would I? I, I think, yeah, uh, just you know, the way it ends. Like, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting when it ends in an uplifting way, given that the whole movie is, you know, grim and kind of horrifying. Yeah, because you get the impression, because Freeman's character, like, we see that he's alone. He doesn't he doesn't live with anyone. He lives alone. Um, yeah, he keeps talking about, you know, oh, he was never married, he was close, but he yeah. never quite got there. doesn't have friends, and obviously it sets up that he his, his girlfriend was pregnant, and she got rid of it, and he's never... It, I actually really liked when he talked about that, he said, not for a second have I ever doubted that I made the right choice, but I still wish I'd made the other choice. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, mm. sort of statement to make like, it's like okay like that, that that has depth to it like what does that mean exactly it's like yeah. you know it was the right choice to make but deep down he still kind of wanted to make the other one he still he still regret because he, he says to Gwyneth Paltrow don't if you if you decide to not have the baby never tell him never tell him that you you were pregnant yeah. uh, uh, so, which of course uh, John Doe ruins <laughs> at the end of the movie yeah because uh, what way to find out your uh, just murdered wife was pregnant and then the killer telling you that she begged for the life of her child <laughs> inside her? It's pretty rough, isn't it? That, that is how you find out, yeah. I mean, that, that's the moment that pushed him over the edge as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. Like, that, that's it. That, that, when he, when he realises that, that's the moment where he's like, oh no, there's no going back now. But that, that's that's what I was getting to though is that he like, he feel like this is like Morgan Freeman's first friend in a long time. Like he's he's grown to attach to these people. He cares about them. Yeah, uh, and like he he's seen kind of hope, and he's seen it stripped away f- again. And again, that's another striving reason for why he 
why it changes his entire mentality and why at the end it's like yeah. okay I'm not ready to stop this now and I think that's what it says a lot about his character that ultimately they kind of lost and you know Brad Pitt was his 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 friend was broken but that's what inspires him to try again like he says it's worth fighting for yeah it's it's a remarkable resilience yeah it's great character work uh, it really is yeah great character work it's told very well outside of you know dialogue being sometimes hard to hear uh, so I'll give it that but hey um yeah, even even just simple little things like the apartment they bought, you know, uh, Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow, like the, the 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 subway like makes the whole thing shake. But yeah, they, but when, when they were being sold the house and the real estate agent was like showing them around, like, he'd always time it just in short bursts when he knew there was going to be no trains <laughs> going past. And again, this is another one of those things where it's the, this awful thing that they just kind of have to live with, and they're just like, eh, we'll get used to it. Yeah, they get used to it, exactly. Yeah, really really simple. And it, even just in a more broad sense, the idea that there's, there's something underneath like to discover. Like, you know, once you come into the city, like, oh, it seems like you're fine at first, but as you're there for a bit longer, you discover more things that you don't like about it. But then again, you get used to it. Because uh, even she's like talking about when she meets Freeman for that 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 coffee or whatever, she says that oh I'm, I'm a school teacher like I, I teach fifth grade and I've been looking around the schools but they're all kind of awful and I don't want to get stabbed by one of my students is <laughs> basically the, the sentiment. She doesn't say that line but you get that kind of the, feeling. The, the thoughts there, yeah. yeah. Um, so no, it, it very very well done. Uh, it is. I I you know it's been a long time since I've seen it. It was nice to revisit it and sort of rediscover why it's well regarded and it's not just the 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 gritty murders which are good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's more than that. It definitely is. Yeah, I think like I say it's what is one of these movies that's you know like from from the nineties, but it's still regarded as you know almost getting to be like a like a classic almost in, in people's minds. And you you think it's like okay, did it did it deserve that or was that just the big moment sticking with people? Yeah, I will say it's starting to feel weird now how old these movies from the nineties are. Like this is twenty two years old. Yeah, which is weird because I I remember like I obviously I didn't see it when it first came out because I was like what six, um, but when I did see it when I was a teenager, I was like it still felt recent ish. Yeah, like it was like oh yeah. it's only you know ten years old or whatever. No, that's it. I can't say this all the time, but I forget just how long ago nineties. Was and yeah. I don't realize until I look at some of the movies where I go, oh yeah, this is from the nineties. And then you think, well, wait, yeah, I am that age. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Shit. pretty much. Shit, go, I'm getting old. There you go. It's just you know you know when they don't. Which, have, and, like, by the way, mo- I realize that's an absurd statement when we're both in our twenties. Like so, some people who are in their forties are going to hear us say that and go, "What? You're not even old yet." You, but, how but dare you say that? The idea of how much the world's changed because you know you see these mm. films. And, you know, there's no no mobile phones. Oh sure, yeah. And you kind of go. Yeah, this was actually quite a while ago. Like th- those are the things that make you realise that you-, you you wouldn't get away with that now unless it was intentionally a period piece. Yeah, it's one of my fun things to do actually. Is like how many movies from the eighties and nineties are ruined if you add in mobile phones to the the equation. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them do. I-, I think that's why if you're making a horror movie now, like consider consider just setting it in the past because honestly, it's hard to do it now with uh, yeah at least the or, same or, way or do what it follows did and, and just make it weird and ambiguous. Yeah. Although to be fair, without follows, that's a really interesting one. Where I don't know if phones would actually affect it. Like, who would they call? No, it's actually. I think phones probably wouldn't change this movie that much. Other than you know, like the scene in the library, like you said. 
Yeah, that's the one where think... technology would change it, where the, he probably wouldn't be going to the library to get right, information. Right, but it would, the, you'd still have the same point of the scene, they'd just find the information in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't change much. But Literally, I don't think like, it changed much of the movie overall. If you remember Die Hard, a lot of that movie's him trying to get a call out for help. Like, right, so much exactly. of that would change, because he'd probably just have a phone on him. And even if he didn't have his phone on him when everything went down... Someone's got one. Yeah, he'd find one somewhere, probably... Maybe not actually. Now I'm thinking about it. Like everyone, because the building, like he goes up to all these floors that are like deserted and stuff. Like, still I mean, built. the better question would be, why would he not have his phone on him? Because he doesn't even have his shoes on. Fair point. That's another big plot point: is that he's in the middle of like massaging his feet because he's feeling weird from the play, and he's you know he's he's, no, no. he's got a vest and pants on, and that's it. <laughs> like so, like, phone could be in his pocket still. It could be, but it wouldn't be that unbelievable well, for it not it to be. It wouldn't be unbelievable, no. It would, it would literally just be a shot of the phones on the desk, but he had to run because, you know, Guy was It would coming. change the film a little bit because be, he'd be trying to get back to his phone. Sure, yeah, yeah, I'd get that. But uh, not massively. But uh, even then again, not necessarily, because if he knows that it's like right next to all the people with guns, he wouldn't, he wouldn't know that's off limits. He wouldn't go there. So yeah. then maybe it would become, again, stealing the radio from the guys that he kills, which is what he does in the movie. So maybe it actually wouldn't change as much as I think it would, but there's other examples, certainly. That there are. That was maybe a poor choice. That was a poor choice, but um, Home Alone, completely... Yeah. Because part of the plot of that movie is that the phone line in the street's dead, and that's why they can't just phone him. <laughs> that's, that's gone. Assuming the kid has a mobile. Which, these days, probably. Is, is, yeah, probably. And even if not, like... Like that, I mean, Home Alone was pretty like hard to swallow. Anyway, the idea that the cop <laughs> goes once and chaps on the door and gets no response and then just never goes back, like that's hard to swallow. Anyway, as it is, but it, it is. Yeah. Uh, like anyway, we're going on a tangent with. We the, are. The point was, this movie is in a sense relatively timeless in the fact that technology doesn't affect it all that much. In the core story, the yeah. themes, it all still functions with or without. And also the fact that again, it's not even in like a, a real city. Like that, that's kept. So yeah. it almost exists in its own little pocket that's, that is kind of timeless because it's not really in a real It's, it's not place. a real place. It's not, yeah. yeah, it's not quite the reality. Yeah. Um, so, that's seven. You didn't remember that other complaint then? I didn't. It, oh, that's going to bug the shit. I mean, it's, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pop your head in like 10 minutes after we finish. We'll, we'll be in the middle of doing something else and you'll be like, God damn it, that seven thing. <laughs> it wasn't a big thing, I don't think. It, it, was, it was relatively <laughs> minor, but... There was something that came in my head, but either way, it doesn't really matter. It's just, uh, it's, it's a really good film, really strong characters, obviously strong visual style, good core kind of, uh, you know, good core story and like arc to it for the for the main characters. Um, but no, seven, very good. So I, I guess we'll I guess we'll rate it. Yeah. Uh... Go yeah, on, go with Ra- rate it 7 out of 10, I dare you. No, I'm, I'm giving it a solid 8. <laughs> solid 8. Um, 8.5 is where I'm going. Fair enough. 8.5. I, I wouldn't argue that much. Yeah, no, I think it's too low. Um, I'm just not quite feeling the 9. Uh Nine. No, I, I mean, I, I could go to an 8.5 at a stretch, but I'd have to think about it. I'm not actually sure what I'd rank, uh, like, you know, Fincher's top three would be. I, and I feel like this would probably be in the top three, but I'm not really sure what the order would be. I'd have to really think about it, actually. Uh, I probably need to rewatch a couple of his movies to help decide that. I know a couple that wouldn't be <laughs> up there. Yeah, I, think, I think there's one or two I still need to see off the top of my head. Um, but no. Uh, so, 
7, uh, extremely good. Uh, if you haven't checked it out somehow, then obviously do that, because, <laughs> you know, modern classic. And it's not even that modern anymore. <laughs> no. Because we're all getting old. Ah, <sighs> damn it, time. Ah, uh, dear. All right, so that is uh, 7. Uh, like I say, it was voted for by our patrons uh, of a bunch of us. It was really close between that and Silence of the Lambs for the uh, for the record. That was the other one in the vote, which was, I, I was kind of expecting one of those two to win because yeah, those are the two that were the the ones, the obvious ones. Yeah, but um, that the vote that's up right now in Patreon for next month's uh, bonus episode is uh, all robot and uh, uh, cyborg and android movies because obviously we have Blade Runner, a new Blade Runner movie coming out. Uh, next month, so we thought we'd tie it in. We usually try and pick a theme that ties into something else that's coming out or happening. We like to be on brand. Yeah. So, uh, the options are Robocop, X Machina, Big Hero 6 and iRobot. So, if you're a patron, or you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash TV and you'll find the links to vote uh, on that. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So, uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. Uh, but no so thanks for watching Uh, keep watching movies and we'll see you next time